Proverbs 11, Proverbs 11, if you want to turn there, we'll get started. Pastor doesn't like to do a message that's half-baked, and then so he, so he invites a preacher who's half-baked <laughs> to share a message. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 1. Uh, I was challenged with this little study shortly after I was saved. I'd only been saved probably two or three years. An evangelist came, I couldn't even tell you his name, to... Um, Bawabic, Minnesota, and I went and heard him, and he had a, this isn't exactly the same as what he did, but he had a message similar to this on uh, how do you, how do you determine right from wrong in these gray areas, and uh, so what I've done over the years is I've developed this, and I use it quite often, and it's, uh, it's an exceptional lesson for uh, teenagers and young adults. Now, most of you are not teenagers and young adults, but uh, you will have teenagers in your house before long if you've got children. And uh, if you're a grandparent, a lot of times your, your grandchildren will come to you for advice in these areas. So it is something I think is very helpful and very useful, and I trust it'll be a blessing to you. And uh, we want to get started tonight with um, Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 1. Now, that's not on your sheet, but that is a good verse for us to start with, okay? And it's a common recurring question. I don't know how often your pastor gets it, but I get it very often. People will say, Pastor, is it okay to do this? Can we come to your church and, and do this? Is, is this allowed in your church? And we get these questions quite a bit, at least I do. And I tell them, look, if your heart is right and, and you love God's word, I can show you why you should or you shouldn't, whether you're in our church or any church for that matter. And uh, so it's been helpful for me to use that. In Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 1, it's simply a, a, a God-honoring principle here. It says, a false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. And so what we want to do is we want to be well-balanced as believers in every area so that we uh, are not committing an abomination before the Lord by making unwise choices or counseling somebody in an area that would cause them to make an unwise choice. And so tonight I want to give you 12 uh, tests that you can uh, ask or 12 questions you might ask uh, yourself or somebody else might ask whether or not um, they should partake of a certain project or a certain uh, practice or not, okay? Well, let's pray and then we'll get started. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you so much for your word and what it means to us. And thank you for the privilege tonight to be in church, to be with these good people that have taken time out of their busy schedule to be in God's house with God's people learning God's word. And so I pray tonight, Lord, that uh, they would be thankful for what they're able to learn and they would be uh, ready uh, to give answers to those outside the church that might ask them questions about our standards and our some of our, I, I hate to use the word rules, but some of the things we do as a church that perhaps other churches would not do, and a lot of things we don't do that other churches probably do. And we should be ready to give an answer as to why we believe and why we practice and don't practice some of the things we do. So help us tonight uh, to find uh, good food that will help us as we instruct and encourage others. Well, thank you for the help that only you can give now. In Christ's name, amen. Don't let this big red book up here scare you. I'm just using that to get the material a little closer to my eyes 
so I can see, okay? Um, I won't have you give the answers, but I want you to think about these questions here uh, as the starting quiz. Uh, do you have a way of determining what is right or wrong? Uh, if somebody comes to you and in the county jail, they would always come to us and say, Pastor, is it, is it Christian to have long hair? My question to you is, do you have a way to determine how to give them an answer? Uh, we should have an answer ready, and we should have an answer that's kind and not rude, but we should have an answer that's biblical. So the first question is, how do you determine what is right or wrong in the first place? Secondly, how do you determine where to go or not to go? Uh, I was raised in a different church, and because I was raised in a different church than I'm in now, I get invited back for infant baptisms, and I get invited back for confirmations. Should I go? Should I stay home? Should I partake in those services, or should I not? I mean, how do we determine where to go and where not to go? And then the third question that you should think about in relationship to this is, how do you decide whether to abstain or participate? Now, I'm just going to throw out a barrage of areas that I have been asked. Now, if you have one of these things going on in your life, I'm not judging you as we just studied in the, in the communion lesson here tonight. I'm just saying that these questions have come to my attention. And when they come to my attention, I try to answer them as politely and as biblically as I can. I've been asked on more than one occasion whether Christians can wear tattoos. And I'll tell you this, my daughter called one day from Colorado and she said, Dad, I have a Christian tattoo. Now I'm a fundamentalist in old school and I said, what in the world is a Christian tattoo? Well, she had tattooed a little cross on her ankle. And so I had to try to politely tell her, this is what I believe the Word of God teaches and uh, be careful, honey. We still love you, whether you have a tattoo or not, but those, those are questions that come up quite often. Another question I've been asked several times has to do with piercings. And you can start with the elementary piercing of the ears, and then you can go all the way. I have seen women and men with pierced teeth. They smile and they have a right in the center tooth. They have a hole in their center of their tooth with a diamond sticking out of there. And uh, belly buttons and all over their body. Well, what do we tell them? How do we respond? How do we take a conversation piece like that and turn it into a, turn it into some kind of a gospel presentation? If it hasn't happened to you yet, it probably will. Uh, I've been asked a lot of questions about tobacco. I do know that down south, in almost every Baptist church, they have a smoking place out in the parking lot because the tobacco industry is very big down there. And down south, everybody smokes, or almost everybody smokes, including all the Baptists. And so their, their feelings towards smoking are much different than ours up north, where we have no tobacco farms up here. I don't think we do, at least not yet. Uh, and we, we might say, um, we might have a different issue with mixed bathing. You know what I'm saying? Different parts of the country have different views on these things. Um, I've been asked lots of questions about infant baptism. Should you partake in should you go to an infant baptism service if you're invited from a neighbor or friend or relative? 
How about a neighborhood block party? How many of you ever been invited to a neighborhood block party where they have hot dogs and hamburgers and good food, but then as soon as the hamburger's down, out comes the liquor and the, all the other stuff. Well, what do you do? Do you just, you know, you just excuse yourself and go home? Or how do you politely handle those situations? Well, these tests are, you know, you don't have to memorize them, but these tests, I think, are helpful. At least they were for me. And, and in our, in the freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that we can't earn our way to heaven. And we know that um, because we're free, the Lord has set us free. We're free to do these things. But then the Bible says, are they expedient? Is it profitable for you to do some of these things? So we have to always throw in that expediency question. Yeah, I have the freedom to do it, but is it profitable to the ministry? Is it profitable to our church? Is it profitable to our testimony? What do I do? And so these tests have been helpful and I trust they'll be helpful to you. Uh, we need the harness of God's word to grow spiritually uh, without reflecting worldliness. And that is a, that is a balancing act. You, you need to keep yourself within the harness of God's word so you can experience true freedom but then at the same time, you don't want to do things to send a message that you're very worldly. Because as soon as you compromise and live very worldly, then you're no different from the world and they have no reason for you to tell them about Jesus because they say, you're just like me. So there, there should be a difference between the king's kids and the devil's kids. And that difference should be something sometimes that's visible. That's, that's my faith. So let me get through these, and uh, if you'll trust me to read them. Now, I think, uh, what time are we done here? Eight o'clock? <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll go quickly, you write fast, okay? How does that sound? We'll see if we can get you out of here. Well, the first test is a personal test. So number one is the word personal. The question that we should ask ourselves, or we should counsel another person to ask, is will it make me a better Christian? Now, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 4 says this, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So we need to ask the question, if I do this, will it make me a better Christian? If I do this, is it pleasing to the Lord? Good question to ask. Now, before my kids were 12 years old, it was very easy for me as a parent to say, you do it, dad said it, that settles it. But something happens when they get to be 13, 14, 15, and 16. And when they come to you with a question, they want a little more than dad said so. They want a little more evidence, if you will. They want a little more information so they can shake their head and say, oh, now I see why my dad doesn't want me to do that. Because the Lord doesn't want him to do it. So they can begin to see that we do have good reasons for some of these things that we do and do not do. But the first one is a personal test. Will it make me a better Christian? 2 Timothy 2.4. Does it please the Lord? The second one is the social test. Will my influence help or hinder others? Romans 14 and verse 13 is a 
verse about a stumbling block. It simply says, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. If I do this, will I cause my brother to stumble? Good question to ask. If I do this, will I cause my child to stumble? When we did the classes on alcohol, I think I said more than one time, what we as parents allow in moderation, our children will do in excess. So if grandma and grandma have one little glass of wine, then the teenager thinks it's okay to have a keg of beer at the graduation party. What we do in moderation, our children do in excess. And that happens in so many areas. And so we need to ask ourselves this question. If I do this thing, whatever it is, am I going to be a stumbling block to somebody in the church who's a baby Christian? Am I going to be a stumbling block to my kids or my grandkids? Am I going to be a stumbling block to a missionary? Am I going to be a stumbling block to my wife? Good question to ask. The social test. Number three is the practical test. Will it bring, will doing it bring desirable results? Romans 14 and 23 says, And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Uh, I have been asked at least two times if it was okay if the host we went for dinner is, Do you eat pork? They actually asked us that. Do you, is it okay to eat ham? Well, you know that Jewish people are not big on eating ham, and a lot of people look at Christians and they figure that we practice some of those Jewish practices, and so they look at us and they say, well, can we feed, can we feed this Christian couple pork chops, hot dogs, or ham? They don't know. And so you have to have an answer. You, you know me that my answer was, of course I eat hot dogs, okay? Of course I eat ham. I tell them I, I, my best friend was a Jew, and I understand Jewish customs, but I like pork. But uh, we need to be ready with some kind of an answer when it shows up, and we need to uh, not cause doubt. We need to understand that uh, doing it will bring desirable results, and it'll not only increase my faith by doing the right thing, but it will increase the faith of another in whose presence I am doing this. So we have the practical tests there in Romans 14. So one was the personal test, two was the social test, three was the practical test, four is the universal test. What happens when everyone does it? What happens if everyone does it? 1 Corinthians 3 and verse number 9 says this, that we are laborers together with God. We are God's husbandry. We are God's building. So the question becomes, in this activity, are we laboring rightly or are we laboring wrongly? If we're laboring wrongly, then we probably shouldn't do it. If we're laboring rightly, then go ahead and do it. And so we ask ourselves the question. And, uh, you know, the world says if everybody does it, it must be okay. That's not what the book teaches and that's not what this church teaches. Uh, we, we're, we're known for our separation. People, there's a lot of people don't come in this door because of our stand 
against liquor and against tobacco and against casino. There's a lot of people that won't come here just for those reasons. And what we need to do is try our dead level best to give them good answers without offending them and driving them off. Uh, I'm certain there's been more than one family that came to this church as a visitor and they found out that we weren't like them. They found out that our music is different than theirs. They found out that our people look different, behave different, and talk differently. And so they decided to go someplace else. Hopefully we can uh, challenge them without offending them. Hopefully we can get them on our side and help them to labor rightly by asking the right questions. The fifth one is the scriptural test. The scriptural test is this, uh, this thing, this tattoo question or this piercing question or whatever, is, is this clearly forbidden in God's word? John 5 and verse number 39, most of you know this, it says, search the scriptures. Or in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. And that's what we need to do. If it's, if it's right according to God's word, then do it. If God's word forbids it, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. If God's word is against it, then we should be against it. That's, it's simple. It's not a problem. Uh, I have been offered hundreds of times knocking on a door. The person says hello and they, they invite us in. Would you like a beer? I mean, you would think me being a pastor, they would know better than to offer me a beer, but it happens a lot. And I've learned to say, well, there was a day when I would like a beer, but I don't do that anymore. Thank you very much. Could I have a glass of water? I don't preach and wax elegant on all the sinful aspects of alcohol. I just say, no thanks, give me a glass of water, go get your Bible and let's see what we can learn tonight. Um, they need help in searching the scriptures and you and I need to ask ourselves the question whether or not this thing we're to do or not to do is clearly forbidden in God's word or is it allowed? So we have the scriptural test. We have the stewardist, stewardship test in number six here. Will it waste my God-given talents? 1 Corinthians 10.31 is another verse that many of you have committed to memory. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. I think God gives everybody a gift and everybody is given a talent or at least a talent leaning. And you can use that for the glory of God or you can use that for, for wealth and fame and pocketbook money. And the question needs to be that, will I be wasting? Will I be wasting my God-given talents? Will I be wasting this, uh, this gift that God has given me? Will I be using it wrongly? A good, good question to ask in relationship to the steward, stewardship test. The seventh one here is the family test. The family test. The question that needs to be asked is, will it discredit or dishonor my family? You can probably guess what Exodus 20, 12 says. Exodus 20 and 12 says, honor thy father and thy mother. 
that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Many of us probably had conservative parents, and when we're tempted to sin, we kind of look behind us and see if dad is back there with a, with a paddle. He's gonna, if he's going to spank us, don't do that. We don't do that in this house. Well, the things that we didn't do in dad's house, why are we doing them now that we have our own house? I mean, they're still wrong. And what we have to do, I think, is honor our parents all the way through life, not just until we get married. I wouldn't want to do anything that harmed my mother or my dad's reputation. They don't go to the same church I go to, but I still don't want to dishonor them. And so it's important to ask yourself the question, will I dishonor my family if I do this? If I go out and embrace an alternative lifestyle, and I decided that I'm gonna marry somebody of the same gender, how's that gonna affect my family? Well, good question to ask. Because sometimes these people, they just think, well, I'm free, I'm 21, I can do whatever I want, I don't care what people think. Well, you, you just might be giving your mother an early grave. This might be giving your dad an early grave. Uh, children can do very strong, powerful things to discredit and dishonor their parents. So it's wise, I think, to ask yourself the question, will I dishonor my parents if I do this? Is, is this activity good for mom and dad? If it's okay with mom and dad, I probably it's okay with me. But if mom and dad have been telling me to stay away from that all my life, maybe I should. So we have the family test. Still with me, class? Say amen. Okay, number eight, the missionary test. Will it help God's program? Or will it hurt his name? Colossians 3 and verse 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Will it help God's program, or will it hurt his name? You know, I have visited a couple of, let me just say, other churches. And when I walked in that other church, the music was so loud, and the, the, atmosphere, the atmosphere was so crazy that it offended me. And I, I no more and got to the front door, and I said, this is not for us. Turned around and walked out because I really felt that they were not helping God's program whatsoever. And I, I think it's, uh, it's good for you and I to be reminded that when Moses came down from the mount with the Ten Commandments, it was the volume. It was the volume of the music that was offending God. It was the loudness and how these people sometimes can crank up those music boxes and turn the noise on so loud you can't hear yourself think, that's, that's an offense to me. And the politest thing sometimes we can do is just, sorry, <laughs> I love you people, but this is not for me, and, and go someplace else because it's certainly not helping God's program. And pastors ought to look at these questions and decide for themselves what's good for the church. Uh, hopefully, it won't hurt the name of Christ. And I think, uh, all of us have probably been guilty at one time or another doing something that hurt the name of Christ. I hope you don't make a habit of that, and I hope you get the victory over it, and the same is true for me. The missionary test. Number nine is the spiritual test. 
And the question that we ask it, will it, will it grieve the Holy Spirit within me? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Okay? We don't need to do things that kick our number one helper. And your number one helper is the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God has given you, he works on your conscience and he's, I wouldn't do that, son. I wouldn't go there, young lady. The Holy Spirit's trying to help you. And when you neglect and say no to the Holy Spirit's advice, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Will it grieve the Holy Spirit within me if I decide to do it? Probably shouldn't. Will it grieve the Holy Spirit if I do this and it doesn't? Then perhaps it's okay. So we have the spiritual test. Number 10, we have the worldly test. Does it fulfill the lusts and the pride of life? 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. It says, love not the world. We're to come out from the world and be separate. Even though the world is all around us and we have to deal with lost people all week long, we still don't have to let their ways and their ideas and their principles contaminate us love not the world neither the things that are in the world if any man love the world the love of the father is not in him so it's good to ask ourselves the question will doing this just fulfill my lusts will doing this fulfill the pride that i have in life the freedom that i have to do as i please the fundamental question is it worldly if it's worldly, it's probably not for me. I'm a believer. So you can stop from engaging in it. We have the eternal test, number 11 here. How does it measure in the, in the eternal realm? In other words, will it last? Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What effect will my doing this or not doing this have on eternity? You probably uh, saw on the news tonight, if you're like me and watch the news, but this, uh, this young girl who's uh, quite athletic, she does uh, gymnastics. She broke the record last night with gold medals, and I think she's up to 22 gold medals. I mean, she is healthy and she's a good athlete. But you know when she dies, I don't know where they're going to put those medals in her casket or not. When she dies in 40, 50 years, she, when she's 70 years old, she might say, hmm, those things didn't last very long. Uh, she's, she, she, not, I'm not mad at her. You know, That's her choice to be an athlete. All I'm saying is you and I need to ask the question, does it have an eternal tag on it? Is it worth eternity? You know, there's only two things that I can take to heaven with me. And one is the memorization I do of God's word. I can take that to heaven with me because his word lasts forever and his word will be in heaven. But the other thing I can take are the, are the souls of my friends and loved ones and relatives. And that's it. Apart from those two things, everything else stays here. That's why I think it's important to seek you first the kingdom of God and ask ourselves these questions. How does this questionable thing that I want to do or not do, how does it measure up in the eternal realm? 
And then the last one probably should have been the first one, the common sense test. Does it make good common sense? Romans 14 verse 22 says, Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. So you do this thing and you don't even realize by doing it that you're condemning yourself, you're wrecking your testimony, you're wrecking your witness. And, and I think without asking ourselves these questions and without thinking about these things, we'll have a tendency to embrace some things and then five years later we say, why in the world did we do that? I can't believe I said that. But we get... The world has pressure on us like we wouldn't believe and we need to be wise and we need to be biblical and we need to have, and we need to be well balanced so that we can give proper answers. Now, in this church and every other church, we have believers at various growth stages, some young, some middle-aged, some older. And if they're not taught, and if Pastor and I and others don't teach people to ask good questions, when it comes to these, when it comes to these areas, everything from card playing to tattoos to long hair on men, all these areas, if, if we don't teach them to look at God's word and ask good questions, then they are likely to be offended when we try to help them. But if we teach them that it's okay to search the scriptures and see what God would say, then they can make their own decision and not fall into that trap. And so I think it's a good idea to uh, remind them uh, of Psalm 119, 165. It says, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. It, it doesn't bother me when lost people act lost. If, if a lost person is drinking a beer or if a lost person is spending all their money at the casino, or if a lost person doesn't dress properly, I, I, I get it. They don't love Jesus. They don't have anything to go by. But it really troubles me when I see people who, how many years you've been saved? 15 years. And then I see some of these worldly marks on them and, and they just think it's the coolest thing. And I say to myself, oh my, their testimony has been ruined. Their testimony is of no value because they've surrendered to the temptations of the world. So, uh, that's my lesson for tonight, and I hope it was helpful to you in some small way. Did I make you angry? If I made you angry, raise your hand, and then pastor can counsel you after church. <laughs> All right, keep smiling. I want you in a good mood. Okay, did you learn something tonight? Raise your hand. Okay, amen. Let's stand and have a word of prayer. Father, we love you, and thank you.